and welcome to the Bizarre and Fascinating Details podcast. I am Sarah, and I am hosting today with Darcy. Say hi, Darcy. Hello, hello. We are a strange and slightly funny duo who enjoys talking about strange stuff, crazy cases, and things that are super interesting. In other words, if it's weird, wild, bizarre, and provocative, we're going to talk about it on this podcast. Darcy, what do you got going on lately? Oh, a whole bunch of bullshit. Um, School is going medium. Um, It's getting very busy at the end of the semester. Um, Yeah, that's about it. Oh, Auburn. Auburn. I forgot to talk about Auburn. Where I went to undergrad and did my master's, um, Auburn University is still playing in the NCAA basketball tournament. They just won last night. So they are in the Elite Eight. Um, And we just had a guy that got injured, but... Every, you know, everybody else is really rallying, so I'm excited to watch the play tomorrow. They play <laughs> Kentucky, so. Rabid fan in the house here. Man, you don't even know. It's the little things in life, right? Yep. Or the I big, paid him or the big my things. Money. <laughs> you bet? Yeah. No, no, no. Uh, the intuition. Oh, yeah? Yeah. yeah. I, I've paid him enough of my money that uh, I can't cheer for anybody else. Okay, then. Um, Good luck to them. Uh, Fingers crossed for you. All the luck in the world. Hopefully they can kick some ass and that will make you happy. Yes, sir. Um, We are going to talk about some paranormal shit today. This is one of those topics that I think people either believe in or they think it's a bunch of bullshit. What do you think, Darcy? Do you believe in paranormal activity? Here's the thing. I don't believe in paranormal activity. I don't think that there are ghosts in people's houses that want to do them harm. I just like, I just, I just don't believe in it. Um, but paranormal movies scare the fuck out of me. I can't even watch (laughs) the commercials for them. I I, I don't even believe that it's happening, but they, they just, they, they freak me out. Like I can't, I can't even watch the trailers for, um, like the paranormal activities and the pet cemetery one. Have you seen the new pet cemetery commercial? no, I don't even oh, want to Jesus see that Christ. shit. I don't want to see that shit. It freaks me out. Yeah, I can't. I can't handle it. I can't watch scary movies anymore. I used to just like I, I used to watch them because I would be riveted by that shit. But then I wouldn't be able to sleep for two days. So then I'm like, I okay, love, uh, <laughs> I gotta find a balance. Film. Yeah, the scary movies. That's that I can't do it. Um, I love a slasher film. I think there are a lot of people, though, that believe that there are perfectly logical scientific explanations for many events that happen paranormally. Um, That's where I am. And you're a scientist, so I get that. But there are some things that are just not explained. And I get that, too. Um, The first thing that we're kind of the topic that we're going to discuss on the show today is the Michigan couple that claimed they captured a ghost on their nanny cam. This has been a doozy in the news lately. They've got video of it. So, Darcy, have you seen the video? I've seen the video. And first of all, nanny cam video is already terrifying enough as it is. Right. Um, And there is something that moves past the baby's crib. Um, And it looks like it's like a person walking, but you can kind of only see the upper half. Um, and the really creepy, creepy part to me is that while whatever this is, is walking past the crib, the baby stands up. Yeah. But um, the baby is looking in the opposite direction. So right, does right. the baby she's, just sense it? She stands it, up or? in the other way, but I mean, I don't know. As a baby, it's not like reaction times are that great, you know? Okay. We're going to um, put a link in the episode notes, just kind of a sidebar here. We'll let you guys make the determination whether you think it's a real ghost or whether it's, there's an explanation for it, but it's certainly... Yeah interesting. And, and the the thing is, so this couple is moving out of this house because of this. Um, and they say that the baby, when she, when she woke up from a nap, um, her mom spotted deep purple scratches on her cheek. And then when they went back to the nanny cam, that's when they saw this, whatever this is. So um, let me read this article real quick. It says Michigan couple claims they captured a ghost on nanny cam after baby appears to have deep scratches on her face. This article just came out, I believe last week. It says March 25th, 2019. Um, A young couple in Michigan claims their home is possibly haunted by a malicious ghost after their daughter appeared to have three deep purple scratches on her face. They believe they have captured the poltergeist on their nanny cam. 
Now they're ready to move out. Heather Bro and her fiancé, Josh Higgins, 30, set up the camera after they discovered the purple scratches on their one-year-old Lily. They believe what was captured on camera can only be described as a ghost. Upon reviewing the footage, the couple believes they saw a male figure walk quickly past the crib. As this happened, the daughter pops up and watches him move through the room before the alleged spirit vanishes into midair. According to the Daily Mail, a paranormal investigator called in to look into their claims confirmed their home was haunted. The couple currently resides in Higgins' mother's guest house in Highland, Michigan. According to the mother, Chris, before the couple moved in, an elderly lady lived there. Tragically, she lay, broke, she lay with a broken hip for a very long time before she was found dead at the bottom of the stairs. Her then oh schizophrenic brother lived in the home until his death a few years later. This is a spirit. I don't know what its intentions are, but this at this point, it's becoming physically harmful. This made us want to leave as soon as possible. As soon as possible, we're out of here, Bra told the outlet. Bra reports that leading up to this event, the family has heard sounds of screaming, stomping, and laughing. Bra herself has been awoken by what sounds like a man shouting. Until they find their new home, the couple has decided to leave their daughter to never leave their daughter alone in a room. Okay, so what do you think about all this? Legit? Not legit? A figment I mean, of their imagination? I, the picture the picture that they have on the article I'm looking at of the baby's cheek, I can't tell. I, I can't see scratches. I'm not saying that they're not there. Um, but it's a pretty – it's like it's a grainy photo, so I can't tell. I don't know. I mean I definitely don't fault them for wanting to get the fuck out of there. If they're freaked out, they shouldn't have to live there. You know what I mean? Um I don't know if I believe it's an actual ghost that is trying, like, that wants with to malicious harm it. intent. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, but um, so this one actually um, also says that. So Higgins's father—that's the, the the father of this baby. So Jim Higgins um, told the local news station that a man who lived at the home originally died after jumping out of a window. What the fuck? That was not in this article. Yeah. So clearly there Um, have been some deaths by, you know, less than natural causes within this home. So the woman that fell down the stairs and broke her hip and laid there um, for days before she was eventually found. And then the schizophrenic brother and somebody jumping out of a window. It is not surprising to me that a schizophrenic individual was either injured, died, or jumped out of a window there. Mental illness is no fucking joke. It can create all kinds of um, realities for a person that's dealing with that issue that is not really going on and can create some major damage if they're not being treated properly by the proper officials and healthcare professionals. Right. And, and we don't know that it, the, the, the brother with schizophrenia is the one who jumped out of the window. No. Like we, they're not making that connection. So I don't know, um, where, you know, each of these things comes into play, but, um, I mean, it's definitely creepy. Like if I heard like laughing and screaming in a house and it's not an apartment where you hear through the walls or anything, I'd probably be a little freaked out. Um, I mean, and how much of this though is a figment of their imagination? If somebody comes into your home and tells you your home is haunted, you're going to start believing that shit. You're going to start hearing things that maybe aren't there. Right. Right. It's like self-fulfilling prophecy. Yes. The human mind is very powerful. And when it comes to this sort of stuff, we start to hear what we want to hear, regardless of whether it's actually there or not. By no means am I saying that this Michigan couple does not hear this ghost or did not see this ghost. Evidently, they never saw it, but the nanny cam saw it and they think they saw it. So this is. (sighs) I mean, there's something in the nanny cam like that's there is something. I don't know what it is. Right, but is it real or is it something they created I, to get some media attention to maybe, you know what I mean? I don't know. I mean, I'm is a little more hesitant to, to to say that they probably did this for attention. I, I probably don't believe that because what they're saying is that their baby was hurt. So Yeah, but they if, also if went viral with this shit and now they have their 15 minutes of fame. So is you said you didn't really see scratches on this baby. I'm not saying they're not there. It's just very hard for me to see in the picture. Well, how hard um, is it to make that up too and to put some makeup on your baby and say, oh, my baby was scratched. We're going to get our 15 minutes of fame. I don't know. I, it doesn't seem worth it to me because it's what their mother-in-law's house, guest house that they're living in. It doesn't seem that worth it to bring all of this attention 
onto your mother-in-law or your in-laws. So what was that movie that came out? What was that movie that came out a few years, few years ago with the paranormal activity or paranormal, the movie paranormal activity. That's like a, yeah, I think there's like three of them. Yes. So I think given the popularity of that, it would be easy to make up a story like this. Not saying that these people did, but you want to get your 15 minutes of fame. You want to get your name out there. You want to get a little bit of attention, a little bit of media attention. Great way to do it. Yeah. I don't know. I, I'm just, I, I'm hesitant to, to jump to that conclusion. I don't, I mean, I don't have an answer. I don't know what it is, but. So you think it's a legit claim? I don't know. I mean, I think, I don't, I don't believe in ghosts, but I don't know what that is. You know what I mean? Like I, I'm one of those that I think there's a scientific explanation for, for a lot of things, but if I don't have the explanation, I'm not going to tell you it's supernatural or it's wrong it's or, real I don't, or fake. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. That's fair enough. Um, yeah. that's just, I guess one of those topics that we'll have to wait to, for some eventual, eventual explanation. Okay. So, so um, this next topic that we're going to do on the show, cause I think we're only going to have time for two episodes or two topics today. Um, Darcy, what do you have for us for the second topic? Um, so we're going to talk about the watcher in New Jersey. Um, so this is a pretty recent story and it kind of falls under supernatural, um, in the sense that it's unexplained right now, but I do think there is a human, um, that is behind all of this. So, okay. Have you seen this place? um, Have you looked up the address and seen pictures of it? I didn't look up the address, but there's some pictures of it in the articles that I've read. And it's, I mean, it's just a normal house. It's a big house because this area Westfield is, um, maybe 30, 45 minutes outside of Manhattan. So I, it seems like there are, um, a lot of wealthy people who work in Manhattan that live in this area. Okay. We'll Um, post a picture of the house folks. It's, It's a pretty beautiful home. Yeah, and it doesn't look old. It doesn't look creepy. There's nothing spectacular about it. It's just a big house in New Jersey. Um, but in June of 2014, a, a, a couple, they um, Derek and Maria Brodus, um, they bought this house at 657 Boulevard in Westfield, New Jersey. Um, and three days after they closed, so they hadn't moved in there or anything yet. Um, they're doing renovations on the house before they move in. And Derek, the husband, is painting. Just um, FYI, can we do a side note yeah. for a second? This house is still listed for sale. Yeah, we're going to talk about it. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. So um, so he is painting and getting ready to move in. Um, and he goes to check the mail. There's not a whole lot there, just bills and things like that. Um, but inside he also finds a white card shaped envelope addressed in thick, clunky handwriting to the new owner. And the note was tight and it says, dearest new neighbor at 657 Boulevard, allow me to welcome you to the neighborhood. 657 Boulevard has been the subject of my family for decades now. And as it approaches its 110th birthday, I have been in charge of watching and waiting for its second coming. My grandfather watched the house in the 1920s, and my father watched the house in the 1960s. It is now my time. Do you know the history of the house? Do you know what lies within the walls of 657 Boulevard? Why are you here? I will find out. So this letter is obviously super freaky and super fucked up, but that's not where it ends. So he's, you know, they get more letters, um, and he, they, this person is clearly watching from a close distance because – they identify the Brodus's minivan. Um, they talk about the workers renovating the home, specifically saying, I see that you have already flooded 657 Boulevard with contractors so that you can destroy the house at, as it was supposed to be. Tisk, 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 bad move. You don't want to make 657 Boulevard unhappy. Um, so earlier in that week, they had gone to that house and met some neighbors and their children were playing around in the backyard And the note continues, you have children. I have seen them. So far, I think there are three that I have counted. The uh, the anonymous correspondent wrote before asking if there were more on the way. Do you, and then the letter says, do you need to fill the house with the young blood I requested? Better for me. Was your old house too small for the growing family? Or was it greed to bring you, to bring me your children? Once I know their names, I will call to them and draw them to me. And to is spelled T-O-O. So there's no return address. Um, it says, 
who am I? There are hundreds and hundreds of cars that drive by 657 Boulevard each day. Maybe I am in one. Look at all the windows you can see from 657 Boulevard. Maybe I am in one. Look out any of the windows at 657 Boulevard at all, all the people who stroll by each day. Maybe I am one. The letter concluded with a suggestion that this message would not be the last. Welcome, my friends. Welcome. Let the party begin. And it was signed in cursive, typed font, The Watcher. Oh. So, um, so this all started when? June 2014. So they purchased this home in June 2014? Yep. And three days after they close, the husband is painting the house and he goes to check the mail that night and that's when he sees this letter. Holy fuck. So this is recent. Yeah. This is not like a, a super, super long. Super recent. So yeah, super just recent. some details, some little minor, bizarre, little kind of weird facts about this house. This is in Westfield, New Jersey. It's a six-bedroom, four-bath house. It's 3,900 square feet. It's listed for sale currently for just under a million it was built in 1905, um, and it's a single-family home on a roughly half-an-acre lot. Um, the listing describes it as a stunning, one-of-a-kind, turn-of-the-century colonial with a dramatic wraparound front porch with impressive curb appeal on a picturesque street. Majestic grand foyer, period moldings, hardwood floors, stunning master suite with custom dressing room and renovated bath with endless character and features in this one-of-a-kind home. It's a must-see in person. Clearly, this home is still listed on the market now, despite the fact these folks moved in in 2014 and started getting these letters. Did this They never stop? actually moved in. So, number one, they never actually moved in. Number two, did the nope. letters stop after the two, or what happened then? Um, so, the, the, um, the husband, so he, he it's, it's late that night. It's like 10 o'clock. So, he runs through the house and turns off all the lights and calls the cops. Um, and the cops come and suggest, you know, there's a piece of equipment on their back porch and the cop says, you know, you should move that in case the watcher tries to throw it, throw it through the window. So, um, that night, Derek and Maria wrote an email to the couple who sold them the home, John and Andrea Woods to ask if they had any idea who the watcher might be or why this person had written. Um, this person wrote, I asked the woods to bring me young blood and it looked like they listened. So Andrea Woods, replied the next morning a few days before moving out they had also received a letter from the watcher the note just had been one odd just one so the note had been odd and made similar mention of the watcher's family observing the house over time but andrea said she and her husband had never received anything like it in their 23 years in the house and had thrown the letter away without much thought that that day the woodses went with maria to the police station um, where a detective told her not to tell anyone about the about the letters, including her, her new neighbors, who are now all suspects. Um, so they, you know, are going to the house every now and then to move stuff in in the house. Um, their kids are hanging out and you know playing in the yard and everything. Um, and when Derek gave a tour of the renovation to a couple on the block, the wife said. It'll be nice to have some young blood in the neighborhood. What? So, um, and their general contractor arrived one morning to find that a heavy sign he'd hammered into the front yard had been ripped out overnight. So two weeks after the first letter, Maria stopped by the house to look at some paint samples and check the mail. She recognized the thick black lettering on a card-shaped envelope and called the police. Welcome to your new home at 657 Boulevard. The workers have been busy, and I have been watching you unload carfuls of your personal belongings. The dumpster is a nice choice. Have they found what is in the walls yet? In time, they will. Um, the letter then identified the three children by birth order and their nicknames. I am pleased to know your names now and the name of the young, the, the young blood you have brought to me. You certainly say their names often. The letter asked about one child in particular— who the writer had seen using an easel inside the enclosed porch, asking, is she the artist in the family? The letter continued, 657 Boulevard is anxious for you to move in. It has been years and years since the young blood ruled the hallways of the house. Have you found all the secrets it holds yet? Will the young blood play in the, in the basement, or are they too terrified to go down there alone? I would be very afraid if I were them. It is far away from the rest of the house. If you were upstairs, you would never hear them scream. Will they sleep in the attic, or will you all sleep on the second floor? Who has the bedrooms facing the street? 
I'll know as soon as you move in. It will help me to know who is in which bedroom. Then I can plan better. All of the windows and doors in 657 Boulevard allow me to watch you and track you as you move through the house. Who am I? I am the watcher, and I have been in control of 657 Boulevard for the better part of two decades now. The Woods family turned it over to you. It was their time to move on and kindly sold it when I asked them to. I pass by many times a day. 657 Boulevard is my job, my life, my obsession, and now you are too. Welcome to the product of your greed. Greed is what brought the past three families to 657 Boulevard, and now it has brought you to me. Have a happy moving in day. You know I will be watching. Damn. Yeah, so Mar- uh, Maria actually grew up in Westfield, and they this, this couple, they wanted to move back. They actually moved from a house in Westfield to this house where they're being watched. Um, so it's not like they're new to the area. Um, they bought the house for $1.3 million, so... Dang, so they've, they've lost some significant million. money. Yeah, they're, they're taking a loss. Um, Plus they did work on it to like yep, do repairs and up. renovate. And so they're losing yep. a lot of money on this. So it's yep. my understanding they were able to rent it out for a while. Is that true? They did rent it out. But yes, they put it on the market and their initial offers were um, well below their asking price because they did put it on the market for more than they bought it for because of all their renovations. Um and they didn't want to take a loss yet, so they didn't take any of these offers. And then when more and more people started hearing about this, because they were not going to share the letters except with um, actually interested buyers. Right. You know, so you'd have to you know, go through the whole process. And when they would share the letters, people would – that would be the last time they heard from them. Oh, yeah. So they couldn't get rid of this house. Um, and then, you know, they're like, well, maybe we should have sold the house at a loss, just get get – get out of it or whatever because the whole time they they don't move in but they're still paying property taxes in their mortgage yeah um shit so they end up renting it to a man who um in his clause said that if i get a letter i'm able to break this lease and so derek went by one time um i think there was like squirrel problem or something so he went by to look at the property and their renter hands him a note from the um the watcher um, he didn't end up moving out, but I do believe he has since um, moved out. Um, so the letters did indicate proximity. Um, they had been processed in Kearney, the U.S. Postal Services Distribution Center in northern New Jersey. The first was postmarked on June 4th before the sale was public, and the Woodses had never put up a for sale sign, and only a day after the contractors arrived. Their renovations were mostly interior, and people who lived nearby nearby said they didn't notice an unusual commotion even from the jackhammering in the basement. When Derek and Maria walked Detective Lugo around the house, they showed him that the easel on the porch was hidden from the street by vegetation, making it difficult to see unless someone was behind the house or right next door. Wow. Um, So at one point, they um, are talking to a neighbor, and this neighbor tells them about a family who lived in between this neighbor and and, um, and the Brodises and this family's name, names are Langford. Um, Peggy, the mom was in her nineties and several of her adult children, all in their sixties lived with her. The family was a bit odd, but harmless. He described one of the younger Langfords, Michael, um, who didn't work as a kind of a Boo Radley character. Wow. Um, so Derek immediately thinks this is, Wait, this is who's doing this. For the listeners who don't know who Boo Radley is, can you kind of describe that in a little bit more detail? Oh, yeah. So Boo Radley is from uh, To Kill a Mockingbird. Um, and he is a character who is kind of the um, – it's this, this that takes place in a small town in Alabama. Um, in case you're one of those very few people that didn't have to read To Kill a Mockingbird when you were in right. school, <laughs> Boo right. Radley was kind of a reclusive um, character. But go ahead. Yeah, so he was a recluse, and everybody in the neighborhood was afraid of him, and kids are told to you know, not go near him. But then it's one of those where it turns out that um, he actually is a very nice person, and it's just he's a misunderstood you know, and all of that. So um, so that's kind of the, the, the short Boo Radley okay, so description. Clearly this neighborhood um, adult child is a Boo Radley-type figure, and then what else? So that's who Derek thinks is sending these letters. Um, and so he looks more into the, the Langfords and he finds out that the family had lived there since the sixties 
when the watcher's father from the letters had begun observing the house. The family patriarch had died 12 years earlier, and the current watcher claimed to have been on the job for the better part of two decades. So timing is lining up, right? Yeah. So they go to the detective about this family, and he said he already knew about them. And a week after the first letter arrived, he actually brought in Michael to police headquarters for an interview. Okay. Michael denied knowing anything about the letters, but the Brodesses say that um, the detective told them that the narrative of what he said matched things in the letters. Okay. Um, but there wasn't a lot of hard evidence. So after the few weeks, the police chief told the Brodesses that short of an admission, there's just not much they can do. So they can't do anything. Um, they, they think they know who this person is, but there's nothing they can really do. Right. So the police basically dropped the whole thing. Um, it's still open in case they get more information, but they're not like actively looking into it anymore. Um, so the Brodesses start their investigation. Um, he's put up, he puts up webcams. They hire private um, investigators. Um, two people they hire um, actually work, used to work for the FBI. Wow. Um, one served as the inspiration for Clarice Starling in The Science of the Lambs. So they're not fucking um, around. The other, they're like right. looking for these legit people. Right. And they, they got another, another former FBI agent to conduct a threat assessment. So this FBI agent recognized several old-fashioned ticks in the letters that pointed to an older writer. Um, the envelope was addressed to M slash M Brutus, um, which is an older salutation, you know. Um, uh, the letters had a certain literary panache, which direct suggested a voracious reader and a surprising lack of profanity given the level, level of anger. Right. Um, so, um, sorry, I lost my place. Um, so they got another letter, um, and this, this seemed to be directed at particularly the wealthy. The watcher was upset by new money moving into town. Are you one of those Hoboken transplants who are ruining Westfield was what one of the letters said. Um, and he was very angry about the, the Brodus's relatively modest renovations saying the house is crying from all the pain it is going through. You have changed it and made it so fancy. You are stealing its history. It cries for the past and what used to be in the time when I roamed its halls. The 1960s were a good time for 657 Boulevard when I ran from room to room, imagining the life with the rich occupants there. The house was full of life and young blood. Then it got old and so did my father, but he kept watching until the day he died. And now I watch and wait for the day when young blood will be mine again. Um, so there's, you know, they're, they're not fucking moving in. So, um, there's no digital trail, no fingerprints, no way to place someone at the scene. Um, so there's, there's just nothing. Um, so in December of 2014, the Westfield police told the Brodesses that they'd run out of options. Um, Derek showed the letters to his priest who agreed to come and bless the home. Um, so, as these renovations are going on, they're adding an alarm system and things like that, but they never move in. Um, uh, you know, Maria says, we're not going to put our kids in harm's way. At the end of the day, it came down to what are you willing to risk? Because the police are saying it's probably just somebody playing a joke, but probably is not really good enough in this situation um, that things going to happen, you know? Well, I don't know. I'm kind of of mixed opinion on this one number one you think it's the neighbor well number one nothing actually happened he sent a couple of letters right yeah nothing actually happened um (laughs) i think the the thing about the letters is they're identifying very specific things it's not like somebody's just sending a hoax letter it's somebody that is watching like literally watching them and spending a lot of time watching them because all of the stuff that they're identifying right but at the same time They've had the house for how long and nothing has actually happened. What if it's just a threat? Why? Well, what, what if the thing happened because they never moved in? I don't know. You know? They pay, they're paying all this money and they've been unable mm-hmm. to sell the home again, despite having it on the market for a long period of time. Mm-hmm. What if it's just a bunch of bullshit? I mean, maybe. Like, does that sound like something you want to bring three young kids into? though? Would you move in or would you listen to the watcher uh, and, and stay no. away? No, I would not move in. I mean, th- these are 
to me, these are threats. Somebody that is telling you information about your own life and describing people that go are they're working on your house and describing your car and talking about your children. Those are threats to me. No, I would just I would be like, fuck off. I'm moving into my fucking house. I don't think I would. Um, so because they, um, clearly they've been watching whoever the occupants are the, of the house were for how long and they haven't done anything. So do you really think they're going to do something all of a sudden? I don't know. I, to, I, I wouldn't be willing to risk it. Like they're like going to the go murder somebody? Like what me, are they, what are they really going to do? I, don't, I have no idea. I wouldn't want, I wouldn't want to find out is my whole point. I would be like, fuck off, dude. I bought this house. I'm moving in. Well, buy the house in New Jersey then. <laughs> I don't want to live in New Jersey. I looked at the <laughs> I looked at the street views of this house. It's beautiful. I mean the house yeah, on the it's inside. Really nice area. It's got amazing woodwork. It's got these incredible ceilings and just it's a beautiful home. Um, you know what else happened in um Westfield though? What? John List. That's where he murdered his family. Oh fuck. I forgot yep. about that one. We have to do an episode on him because that is a really, really fascinating story. Yep. So that's all in the same little area. So, so um, for, for those of you who don't know who John List is, he was a gentleman that lived in the New Jersey area. And did this happen in the 20s, 30s? Uh, no, this was in, or the 50s. I believe it was in the, no, I believe it was in the seventies. So um, he essentially killed his entire family and left him in the house and took off and started a new life in, I believe it was Colorado as an accountant. And they eventually located him because they had an episode on America's most wanted where they created a bust of this dude's that face. Exactly like him. And somebody reported a neighbor reported that they, they thought it was yeah. the neighbor and they located this guy and sent him to jail. And he, Eventually ended up confessing to the murders of his entire family. It was, I believe, three children, his wife and his mother that he had left in this huge mansion in Westfield. And And the whole reason was he had lost his job and had been going. He'd been faking to go to work every day, (laughs) but not going anywhere. Um, And they he couldn't pay for the house anymore. And so his solution was was to kill his family and move on. uh, yeah. But yeah. he claimed when he confessed that they were becoming too worldly and that he killed them to ensure that they would have a place in heaven. But because they were oh, yeah, turning away from church, religious. turning away from God, and that he was afraid that they were going to not be allowed into heaven because they were becoming too worldly. So it's yeah. a very, very interesting story, one that we will undoubtedly cover at some point in a true crime yeah. episode um, because it's way too interesting um, to skip doing an episode on. But in any case, this particular area is somewhat notorious for that gentleman that lived there and killed his entire family. But in this instance, there have been no murders that happened. Um, Clearly this gentleman, whoever this, or or woman, it could be a woman, has been watching this family, watching this home for a number of years, possibly decades, and nothing has happened. So I just don't see why he should be allowed to control, dominate, threaten, um, and prevent these people from enjoying living in this multi, this million dollar home that they bought. It's terrorism. So, I, I mean, I agree with you, but at the same time, if say you do move in there and you're still getting letters, are you actually living a happy life in this house? Like how, what's your quality of life in that scenario? But at the same time, yeah. so he gets to control who lives in this neighborhood and who lives in this house. Fuck him. I mean, great. I don't know. I don't have to uh, uh, answer for you. I'm just saying I would not move in. I would not feel comfortable even if I were to say like, fuck you, this is my house. But you'd live in a murder house. I would live in a murder house. I wouldn't live in a house where somebody's threatening to murder me every week, but I would live in a house. Is it every week? Had already happened I don't think it's every week. Uh, no, it's not every week. I think but he sent them every six months or something crazy like that. No, or once it was more frequent than that, but it wasn't every week. But I I mean, I wouldn't live in a house where I was continuing to get threats all the time. That's very different from yeah, living in a murder house. Is he really threatening them? Is he saying, I'm going to kill you? I, I take them as threats. So Maybe you don't, what part of know, that language is a threat to you? Um, if I have somebody who I don't know who it is and they're writing in very angry words, um, talking about my, what kind of car I'm driving, what my kids are doing, watching what my kids are doing, talking about which kids are going to be in which bedrooms. I consider that threatening. 
Right. But what is he saying that's specifically threatening? I'm going to kill you. I'm going to injure you. I'm going to move you from this house. What, what is he saying that's threatening to you? I mean, literally the words that are in the read it in letters. What, what part of that is threatening to you? I'm just playing the devil's advocate here because when I read and heard the, the letters that this gentleman sent, nothing in it specifically said, I'm going to harm you. I, I understand that, but I'm not taking this as explicit threats. I'm taking this as implicit threats. For what? Of murder? I have no idea. That's why I wouldn't move in. I don't want to find out. <laughs> Like, that's what I'm saying. It, they're implicit threats. If somebody's spending that much time watching me and my family, what, what possible reason do they have with good intentions? Maybe they're just eccentric and weird. Yeah, maybe. Is that something you want to find out? Sure. Okay. I've seen the uh, house. We, I'd I mean, fucking just, move in there, and then I'd be like, listen, asshole, why don't you come well, bring I, it on? I mean, that's great. We disagree. Um... <laughs> So anyway, so six months after they bought the house, they decide they're going to sell it. Um, but like we already talked about, they can't get any buyers. They get um, somebody that's going to, um, they have a renter move in. Um, they end up, actually, they end up suing the, the couple they bought the house from because they thought that the couple should have told them about the letter that they got. Uh-huh. Um, that's essentially that saying was- that it's, it's sort of the same as if you have a murder in the home, that you have to disclose that information to right. the, per- the- the potential buyer. Go ahead. Which is a law in New York, but not in New Jersey. Right. Um, so I believe that that was just dismissed or whatever. Um, but, um, they, they did, they hired another private investigator and as, or uh, maybe he was a, Oh no, he's a, he's a detective in the police force and he was asked to look at the case. Um, and he, when he looked into the case, he, um, discovered that investigators had eventually conducted a DNA analysis on one of the envelopes and determined that the DNA belonged to a woman. What? So this detective decides to look more closely at Abby Langford, who is Michael's sister, who worked as a real estate agent. Maybe she was upset about missing a commission in her own, on her own street, whatever. So they, um, they follow her and they, they take a plastic water bottle she'd been drinking out of and they test the DNA, but it's not a match. Um, then without any explanation, the prosecutor's office told Derek and Maria that they wouldn't say how or why, but they had ruled out the Langfords as suspects. Um, I guess it's because of this DNA, but it, it's kind of, it's not super clear. Um, so they're still not telling anything to their neighbors. Um, and they, you know, they're still hiring investigators. Um, they, they, ask for a DNA sample from Andrea Woods, who was the wife that they bought the house from. Uh-huh. Um, and they interviewed her 21 year old son. Um, the DNA did not match. There was nothing there. Um, and there was another, um, around the same time that the Brodises had received their first letter, another family on the boulevard got a similar note from the watcher. The parents of that family had lived in their house for years and their kids were grown. So they threw the letter away just as the Woodses had. But after the news broke, one of the, their children posted about it on Facebook and then deleted the post. When investigators spoke to the family, they confirmed that the letter had been similar to the Brodus's, but its existence only made the case confusing. Um, so the investigator, you know, he's watching the house, um, kind of a stakeout, and around 11 p.m., he sees a car stops in front of the house long enough for him to get suspicious. He, he traced the car to a young woman in a nearby town whose boyfriend lived on the same block. The woman told um, the detective that her boyfriend was into some really dark video games, including one in which he was playing as a specific character called The Watcher. As for the female DNA, the detective figured maybe the girlfriend or someone else could have helped. The boyfriend was living elsewhere at the time, but uh, he agreed to come in for an interview on two separate occasions, but he never showed up. Huh. So, so possible source right there. Un- yep. Unspecified, and, unproven, but possible source. And then everybody in the, the, the area starts talking about how um, they probably did this to themselves. What? They, they were underwater in the, in the mortgage, and they wanted a way to get out of it. Um, 
they wanted their 15 minutes of fame, whatever, what have you. The fuck? Um, Who would do something like that? I don't know. You just suggested it for um, the People magazine article (laughs) with the Michigan couple. And that was worse. That was scratching their own baby. Um, so, um, they, everybody's, everybody hires lawyers and they're, it's a whole big thing and they're trying to figure out what to do with this house. They can't sell it. Um, they want to maybe donate it to the VA or use it as a halfway house. Um, at one point they talk about tearing down the house and making two lots out of it to put like a duplex on it. Um, and everybody, basically the, the town kind of becomes more concerned about what this looks like for their town and what it's going to do to their property value. Um, as opposed to what this, who this person actually is. Um, so, um, the watcher was also no longer the only person sending anonymous letters in Westfield last Christmas Eve, which this article was written in 2018. So Christmas Eve on 2017, um, Oh, I lost my place. Um, Several families in the area received an envelope in their mailboxes. They'd been delivered by hand to the homes of people who have been the most vocal in criticizing the Brodus's online. One of them who lived a few blocks down on the boulevard had written on Facebook, I wish we could go back to the days of tar and feathers. I have just the couple in mind. Another family who got the letter told me it was weirdly poetic, as the watchers had been and that it accused the families of speculating inaccurately about the Brodus's. It included several stories about recent acts of domestic terrorism in which signs of brewing mental illness had gone unnoticed. The type letters were signed, Friends of the Brodus Family. What? Um, And the writer of this article says, when I asked Derek Brodus whether he had written them, he paused for a moment and then admitted that he had. He wasn't proud of it. He hadn't even told his wife, and he said they were the only anonymous letters he had written, but he had felt driven to his wit's end, fed up with watching silently as people threw accusations at his family based on practically nothing. The Watcher had been obsessed with 657 Boulevard, and Derek, in turn, had become obsessed with The Watcher and everything the letters had set in motion. It's like cancer. We think about it every day. Uh, sitting at the Westfield train station, Derek handed me his phone so I could read the fourth letter. You are despised by the house and the watcher won. Hmm. So they, and they still can't get rid of this house. So just in recap here, there are a number of people that believe it could be one of three sources that have potentially done this besides just one of the neighbors who is actually legitimately insane. But some Mm -hmm. people are saying that it was, it could be number one, a real estate individual. So someone who who was was outbid originally on the house, um, who wanted it and and was outbid by the Brodus's and Mm -hmm. were willing to do whatever they needed to do to get the Brodus's out of there to get the house or to have revenge on them for getting it when they did not. But this, if that's the case, why not buy it now? Exactly. For- so this this theory makes the least sense to me because the house has been on the market for a number of years and it's already been dramatically reduced almost a half a million dollars below what, what it was when the Brodus's initially bought it. So it makes more sense that it would be a revenge sort of thing from a real estate perspective to get the Brodus's to lose a bunch of money and to just have revenge on them. Um, the second theory that I've heard a lot about this case is that it was the Brodus's themselves, and you kind of covered off on this a little bit, um, so they could get in much the same way as the couple that had the Amneville Horror House, um, recognition, 15 minutes of fame, maybe a reality series off of it that they were trying but to make money off of it. But there actually was a crime in the Amityville Horror House. Correct. But it was the family that, and that actually was because they were underwater. Right. But some people are saying, rights. hey, the Brodus's overextended themselves, realized they couldn't afford it, and stewed this whole story up so that they could gain some their 15 minutes of fame, maybe make some money in other ways, or get out from underneath the mortgage that they couldn't really afford. I don't really think there's a whole ton of evidence um, to prove that theory either. Um, and then the third theory that has come up most commonly, just a second. Um, sorry, I forgot who it was, was the former owners. Um, and I don't really see a significant or readily 
logical reason why the former owners would do something like this either. They sold the house, so walk the fuck away. Well, I don't, I don't understand why. There, there's no point to me in, in doing that if you're the couple that sold the house because, I mean, first of all, why? And second of all, they got sued. I mean, it was thrown out, but that was still a potential repercussion of the whole thing. You know, so I, I don't know this. I, I don't I don't believe any of those three um, theories. So do you think it's one of the um, neighbors? Just a crazy neighbor? Um, pro- yeah, probably. I think I mean, I don't think it is the Langfords. Obviously, they've been ruled out by DNA. Um, and so had the Woodses. So um, I don't know. I mean, I think maybe the. The boyfriend who never showed up to the interviews. Um, I think he is a very suspicious A character. plausible suspect for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and this article doesn't say anything about testing the girlfriend's DNA or asking for a sample. Um, so we don't know if her DNA was the one that was on the envelope. Um, do, do you think this case will ever be solved? Yeah. You do? I do. Um, I mean, it's going to take somebody else looking at it. I think the police are kind of not looking at it anymore because... Are, is the FBI are. involved in this? Um, no. I don't... I, well, they could be because um, the letters came through the mail. Right. And that would make it a federal crime. But I don't know if they're involved at all. I, I, I haven't read it. I didn't think that. that they would have to become involved unless a crime actually occurred. That it, They would not be triggered to intercept into the case unless there was a crime. An actual crime. Um, so there's no threat of death, no kidnapping, death, whatever happened. So how right. would the FBI be forced to become involved in a situation like this? I, I mean, they could have been invited in too is the other thing. Uh, I don't know. It's, it's a perplexing case and it is very, very interesting. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't, I don't know that the FBI is involved or not. Um, it doesn't seem like it, they are because it specifically mentioned that they had two former FBI agents working um, with it, looking with, looking at it. Um, and it didn't say anything about the, I would assume they would say something about like the, the FBI actually officially being involved. So it doesn't seem like they are, but, um, yeah, I, I think it probably is a neighbor. I don't know why. I, that's what I can't wrap my head around. shit crazy. That's why. Um, it's, it's very, very interesting. Where, where is the Brodus family now? Clearly they never moved in. Where, where are they? at they are still in westfield at so a different house they bought another home yeah so they're paying for this home and the mortgage on this home and then another home too what else are they gonna do fuck let it be foreclosed <laughs> on move on declare bankruptcy why hold on to that well because declaring bankruptcy you don't just get rid of the one house you lose all your shit no you don't there's exemptions, but I suppose if they're in a higher income bracket, then there are fewer. But right, like I don't think you get to, to just because you can't get rid of a house and don't want to pay for it. I don't think you can or let just, it be foreclosed. Yeah, I mean that's a possibility. Then I don't the fuck know on. What civil action the city would take against them for that? But I don't know. I mean, it dings your credit for a little bit, but then I mean, it's not impossible to move on after that. Yeah. So you would not move into this home. What would you do in their place? The same thing that they're doing? Um, yeah, I think I would have to. You would buy another home and just try to sell it? Yeah. I mean, if I could afford to buy a second home, yeah, that's what I would do. Alternately, I'd have to like rent something. I don't know. But no, I would not. Um, or move in live with my parents or something. I don't know. But no, I would not move into this house. I would try to make some money off it. Like either make, write a book or like film a series there or get a reality TV show going. Funny like you mentioned that actually Netflix just won the rights to a movie. They just, it, I think it was just announced in December of last year. So it's going to be a movie. I don't know how involved financially the Brodus's are in it. How much um, money they've made off all. of it. Interesting. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know that they did at all, but they, that was another theory is that maybe they did it to make Okay. So, um, it was just announced in December of last year that Netflix, um, won the film rights. Okay. I don't know anything about when a film would come out. I don't know, um, if the Brutuses are involved financially, I don't have any information, 
But that was one of the theories of them possibly doing it themselves was to get money um, similar to the Amityville situation. But when this first started happening, they were getting book offers and film offers and all of this, and they turned them all down. Hmm. So that doesn't seem to me um, like they would, I don't know, it wouldn't be prudent to hold out for like a bigger film offer in this situation. Um, so I don't, I don't think that that was the re- I don't think that they're, they did it. I think, I think somebody else in the neighborhood on the street is responsible. Um, and now that they are starting to lose a lot of money, they're like, fuck, we might as well cash in on it. Cause we had to buy another yeah, house. They, yeah. I mean, they, they might be in a bind. I don't, I don't know. Interesting. I think there's a lot of information that we may not be privy to with this as well. Um, I do know that in instances like this, sometimes the police keep a lot of stuff back so that they have um, information in the event that someone does come forward or they do find somebody um, so they don't get a lot of pretend or false confessions or people that just want publicity so they confess to it and, and allege that they did it when they did not. So they're wasting police resources with a bunch of people that just want 15 minutes of fame. Are you saying that that you do think that's what happened? No, I'm saying that maybe they, the police are withholding informa- critical information oh, on this so that they have information to cancel out or disprove some false confessions right. or people that, that want 15 minutes of fame. Does that make sense? Right. Yeah. The things, the things that are weird to me, obviously, that, that um, the boyfriend guy who never showed up for the, in- for the interviews and also the fact that when Michael Langford was brought in for an interview – he apparently said a lot of things that also were in the letters, but they've been ruled out by DNA. It so just doesn't make sense to me too, sense. why yeah. they would let this go. The guy, so the guy doesn't show up. So you just let it go forever. Yeah, that is, I feel like that is, um, something that should be looked at. Maybe they did. I don't know. And it's just not in this article, but to me, that's, that's really suspicious. I would stuff. be like camped know. out and like following him around to see if I could get his DNA or her DNA. Yeah. I would like go follow yeah. him to a restaurant and grab their fork. I mean, what the fuck? People do that shit all the time. Yep. Pull, dig through their garbage can, get their DNA, try to figure out what the fuck yeah. is going on. And this article came out in November of 2018. So, so it's relatively it's recent. Likely, Yeah. And so it's likely that they didn't follow up with the boyfriend or anything or haven't yet. Maybe they're, I don't know. Maybe it's still in the works. It's only a few months ago. Right. So that's where we stand on this. That's all the information we have. Yep. That's all I can find on it. Um, Um, yeah. So very, very interesting. I'm looking forward to when the Netflix series comes out. Yeah, that should be pretty good, but I don't have any information on, I think that was just like two or three months ago it was announced. So I don't think there's any information about what that will look like yet though. Sweet. Well, stay tuned folks. Maybe you will see some cool stuff in the future. All right, folks, this is about the time where we start to wrap up the podcast. Darcy, do you want to plug our Twitter, our social media so folks can follow us there? So we have a Twitter at the BFD podcast. Um, and the Instagram is at podcast.addict. Um, so we put up information about the episodes. Um, the Instagram is going to have the, all of the pictures that we talked about um, posted, and uh, we can probably throw some links up there too. And the links to everything that we talked about today in the show will be in the show notes. Uh, please rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast, folks. We really appreciate re- your reviews. Um, five stars, two thumbs up, whatever you want to do is great. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, please feel free to shoot us an email at thebfdpodcast at gmail.com. Please join us again next week when we talk more about our weird, wacky, and wild topics that we do so enjoy. Good night, podcast peeps. Stay safe, keep it real, and always live your best life. Bye. Bye.